Oh, me? that's great. I was going to ask if we could cut it. Welcome back to the Crabby Curious Podcast. It's pretty good. And today I want to ask you another question. I know I ask questions a lot here at the opening, but do you believe in magic? Because today's podcast, just do that's right. We are talking about Harry Potter. I am not personally a big fan, but it is a worldwide phenomenon. You got books, you got movies, fan fiction, memorabilia, even amusement park rides and stuff. So if you have lived under a rock the last 20 years, Harry Potter's a story about a young man, a kid named Harry Potter, who on his 11th birthday finds out he is the son of two powerful wizards. So he goes to Hogwarts, a school for young wizards, meets up with his friends, and he has a lot of adventures. It's a lot more than that, but we'll get into that on the podcast. So today we're talking Harry Potter. Hope you enjoy. As promised, we have a couple of wizards here on the podcast today. We have Sarah and Meg. How are you guys doing? Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. And um, like I said, I'm not into Harry Potter, but I can't deny its popularity and everything. So anything I say wrong, please correct me. So how long and when did you guys get into the series and which is it school of magic uh, do you belong to on the little oh, test? Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say house like, are you house? This, there you like, go. This. That's okay. right. Oh, okay. Well, okay. All right. Then what house of magic are you? <laughs> House of Magic. That's so adorable. <laughs> You're so close. Okay. Uh, Meg, do you want to go first? Sure. Well, um, you have houses that are within Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. So that my house, I wanted to be a Ravenclaw, which is kind of associated with being um, bookish and um, clever. And I liked their their colors are blue and brown, right, Sarah? Uh, blue and bronze. Bronze, bronze. Um, and they, I liked their little crest, which is the raven. But I took the Pottermore quiz, which is supposed to be the official quiz, and I was sorted into uh, Hufflepuff, which I was just devastated to learn. Uh, but, you know, uh, I talked to Liz Bielman, who's also a Hufflepuff, and she kind of schooled me on some points of Hufflepuff pride. So now I'm, I'm feeling more at peace with my Hufflepuff designation. Okay, Hufflepuff. And Sarah, what about you? What are you? You're Ravenclaw, right? I am Ravenclaw. And much like with Meg, I wanted to be the smart and bookish, but I never did really well in school. So there was always that small doubt that I wasn't a Ravenclaw and then uh, Pottermore crushed my hopes and dreams and I got Hufflepuff so I continued <laughs> to take the quiz until I got Ravenclaw but the the only thing that really matters is that in fourth grade when I started reading Harry Potter my teacher actually read the first two books to us in class I went to a Harry Potter event at my local library and they had you sit down, put a hat on your head, and then you pull the slip of paper out of a cauldron and that paper said Ravenclaw. So I'm going to have to go with fate in fourth grade and uh, be Ravenclaw forever. That's what I've accepted. Okay. <laughs> I actually, uh, I took an off-brand test stuff at one time. I think it was at like 
Friendsgiving when you guys lived on the farm and I got Ravenclaw, so I know all oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I guess you all could probably tell me about my personality when I would fit. Dave said I'd be a Slytherin and I think that's what the bad guy. <laughs> But uh, no, I am. Uh, they get a bad oh. rap, I think. Um, they do. And I they're think, not all bad. No, I, I kind of think of like um, people who are really ambitious or like into business mm-hmm. would be, would fit into like a Slytherin category. Yes. Um, CEOs, all those fun people. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, I would say they're just like exceptionally driven and ambitious. And sometimes that means they make compromising choices too yeah you're not there. afraid to step on the little people on the way to success sure. <laughs> sure. and no. if you're not familiar hufflepuffs are they're kind of like the nerd i say nerds but maybe i mean more like dorks um they're just kind of looked <laughs> down upon a bit uh, as being like ineffectual and corny i guess but um they're supposed to be like incredibly loyal. They're really into botany um, and just like kind people. So I- I'm trying to lean on those traits. And okay. Identify uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think the reason that Hufflepuff got such a bad rep for a really long time was that literally there weren't that many traits associated with them. And it's like, oh, here's all these cool houses. And then literally in like one of the Sorting Hat songs. Uh, Helga Hufflepuff is like, I'll take all the rest of you that don't fit anywhere else. So it's just like, you can be anything, but we'll take you here. So it it wasn't that driving characteristic that people needed, but Hufflepuffs have really come a long way. I think, I mean, J.K. Rowling says she's a Hufflepuff. She says Fantastic. a lot of things. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that later. <laughs> That's a tease. <laughs> but, um, Shoot, why am I blanking? Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool's a Hufflepuff. There's lots really? of good ones out there. Yeah, it's canon. It's so in we, the comic. We mentioned the the Pottermore quiz, but I had taken just like loads of random internet quizzes before that was even out. I'm sure you did too, but um, you know, just like I ones still you do. Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember there was one that was like a, a 141 question quiz that was going to sort you into your house that I probably took like in middle school at some point but those are the ones you want because if the longer they are the more accurate I feel like they're going to be like I put so much work into this quiz it needs to give me what I need to hear right and when they're shorter it's just sort of dumb questions like which animal do you identify with most (laughs) yeah you're literally like picking out what you want yeah right exactly Okay. So you so. started reading in fourth grade, Sarah? Yes, my uh, best teacher ever, Miss Skipper, she Skipper. read Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets to us in class. And I kind of brought that home and was like, hey, these books are really cool. My grandparents got them for us for Christmas. And my mom would read it to us before we went to bed. Uh, and then my mom and sister quickly abandoned it saying, this isn't for us. I believe I told them they were stupid. And then (laughs) once the movies came out, though, lo and behold, they're back on the Harry Potter train. And uh, (laughs) now we're all big Harry Potter fans, but just let it be known that I was the first. That's what's really important here. Harry won Harry Potter over there. (laughs) Meg, when did you get into him? 
Um, I'm trying to rack my brain and remember. I want to say it was maybe sixth or seventh grade. Um, my grandmother, uh, my Catholic grandmother, had tried to gift me, I believe it was Chamber of Secrets, um, when I was in elementary school, maybe third grade. And my parents made me give it back because it was about witchcraft. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so I didn't read it then. But then I think they got a little bit more lax once I was in middle school. And I read them. And I went to, I think it was when the last book came out, I went to the, I I don't know if it's a launch party or whatever it's called, um, at Borders Booksellers, if you remember when those existed. I think we were both there. I think we've had this discussion. Really? Yeah, the one on uh, Bardstown Road. Um, no, I was one? at the oh, one on darn it. Taylorsville and Hurstmore. Now that's like a mattress store or something. But oh, thing. okay, yeah. Um, but right. I was well, so cool because it was eighth grade and I got to stay out past midnight for the, the book. And they had, I remember they had some kind of coffee shop inside and you could go up and get a sorting hat drink. And I guess the barista would just make you whatever they felt like. And that was your drink, and that was your house. I got a Slytherin one. Tasted disgusting. Oh, yeah, course. those nasty Slytherin. So before we <laughs> before we move on, um, just in case there are any other people out there like me that don't know much about Harry Potter, um, so we touched on uh, Hufflepuffs and Slytherins and Ravenclaws. Gryffindor, that's one of the other schools of magic, right? Right. Gryffindor what, is like yeah. the main house because it's the the center where the main characters are from they're all in Gryffindor and it's supposed to be like the super brave people do what's right and Gryffindor is the one you want to be in uh sounds kind of like a bunch of supermen with their moral compass and that doesn't sound cool to me (laughs) (laughs) I agree (laughs) yeah I never wanted to be Gryffindor that was my uh, second result on my part more quiz and it yeah really made me question who I was oh, wow. <laughs> it's just so on the nose it's like oh well if they're supposed to be the perfect house that's just it's just, yeah Bryson said it it's just kind of boring exactly yeah have some edge or a dark secret or something yeah <laughs> but that's just me but okay that that's uh your introduction into it you know you stayed out late at borders i forgot borders existed too i guess <laughs> barnes and noble won that war of bookstores um yeah. Like we're like we're patiently waiting to see who wins between Popeyes and Chick Fil A, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, with with those all the books and movies you've seen, what is your favorite book and what is your favorite movie and why for each of the each of the ones that have come out that you've come across? Oh, that's really difficult. As far as books go. It's probably a pretty even tie between The Prisoner of Azkaban and The Half-Blood Prince for me. Like Prisoner of Azkaban is when it first starts getting like super dark. There was some darkness in the second one, but it's just kind of the perfect blend to me of the earlier fun magic and then the later story just getting super dark and all about the battle that's happening. And then Half-Blood Prince, I just love the Tom Riddle backstory and hearing about all of that. That's really all I mostly remember from that book uh, is the backstory for Voldemort um, and also that Draco cries and I loved him and it brought some humanity to him for me not that he needed it but 
because <laughs> I would love him anyways. Uh, as far as the movie goes for me, I don't really know why, but I love Order of the Phoenix. I hmm. think maybe since it's Luna's introduction and it just seemed like this whole gathering of people with the, the Order of the Phoenix and then in the Room of Requirement, I just like that all of the characters were spending all of this time together and it just seemed really fun to me. What about you, Meg? My favorite book by far was um, Goblet of Fire, the fourth one. Um, Bryson, for your edification, it's like the premise of this book is there's an international wizarding competition event, kind of like the Olympics, um, for students of witchcraft and wizardry from different schools uh, to get together. It's supposed to be good for international wizard relations. Um, so there's all these different competitions that are kind of feats of magic and athleticism. And you have a group that's from like a Russian type country and one that's from a French type country. Um, so there's like funny situations, like culturally, they're kind of hitting puberty at this point during the book. So there's some like tension with people liking other people romantically and there's a dance there's just a lot of action happening and it's kind of a developmental point for them so there I really liked that one um as far as the movies go I'm not an expert on the movies just because I haven't watched them a whole bunch but I really they kind of change with there's a change in directors um, and then as the books progress and they get older, the characters get older, uh, it becomes markedly darker in the later movies. Um, and so, I don't know, I guess I like the last half of the films better than the first half. And it's kind of funny when you get toward the end with the graphics being what they are today and yeah. the actors being older. When you go back and watch the first ones over again, it's like, it's just funny. It looks low budget, kind of. It does. They're pretty bad. <laughs> They yeah. do not hold up well. I'm sure they'll uh, Disney will buy it one day and remake it in like 30 years. So we have that to look forward to, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do look forward to that. <laughs> Me too. Okay. I really want them to do an animated series is what I would want. I feel Ooh. like, yeah, they could probably do that. They could tell some more stories or give some more characters some shine, you know, yeah. since I have time to do it. But Sarah, since you've, you've, you've read a lot of the books and seen all the movies, how do you think they did with adapting some of the books you liked into the, a feature film? Did you think they did a really good job or, or not? I think they did pretty good. I know a lot of people get upset about all the stuff that gets cut out from the books which, yeah, I would love it if all that stuff was in there, too, but there's just not time. Um, so overall, I think they did a really great job, especially, uh, like Meg said, in the, the last half. Unfortunately, all of the things I really liked, not all the things, but a lot of the things I really liked from the sixth book with Voldemort's backstory, a lot of that didn't make it in there, and that made me kind of sad. But again, understandable, I think that they hit all of the important points and anything that they left out or changed I don't really remember feeling angry about anything so I think they did a good job okay Meg what about you do you think they did a good job from the, the few movies you've seen or what you remember from them and uh the books you read do you yeah. think they did a pretty good job 
Yeah, I have seen all of the movies. I just haven't watched them multiple times to really like remember a bunch about them. But um, I remember I didn't enjoy the film adaptation of my favorite book as much as I wanted to, um, just because I liked the book so much when I first read it. But yeah, I think they got the message across. The only thing I was kind of disappointed in was um, my one of my favorite characters, Professor Snape. R.I.P. Um, he, there's sort of like an unrequited love story that's supposed to really bring a deep human element to him and make you feel a lot of compassion for him and really change his narrative. And it was fleshed out a lot more in the books, obviously, just because you can get more, more detail in the books. You have more time and it gets less, it's less boring than spending all that time on one character in a film. So, they still got it across, but it just wasn't as in-depth as I would have liked, just because he's my fave. They did such a good job with that scene in Deathly Hallows Part 2, though, where he's slowly dying, and then, ugh, and then Harry takes his, his, his tears and goes through. Yeah, and they, oh my god, the whole scene where he like goes into the house and then he finds Lily, it just hurts my cold black heart. <laughs> I don't think you have so, a cold uh, heart. You're not a slither. <laughs> yeah, Bryson, we kind of go through most of the story thinking that he's a villain or at least an enemy to our hero. Mm. And um, he dies sort of in a very painful, sad way. And, and he uh, lets a tear run from his eye. And you can capture sometimes these things with your wand. And, and memories can be encapsulated in them. So that's what Harry did. And then he could see that, oh, the whole time, this character we thought was a villain was really on our side and did it for reasons of true love. So That's nice. I, re- I remember at the, the last book, when it came out at midnight, they were giving out stickers with the books that said Snape is a hero or Snape is a villain. And you got to choose which one you wanted based on what you thought and I got the wow. Snape is Snape is a hero and I felt so vindicated when I was proven right. I was like, I knew it <laughs> all along. You know that that sounds way cooler than Team Edward and Team Jacob from Twilight. So <laughs> I, I stand me some Twilight though. I mean not really, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Team Jacob forever. So uh, speaking about real villain Voldemort, he is the villain, right? Most of the time. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, so, so tell me about how do they characterize him? Is he when you learn about his backstory, does he become like um, maybe Killmonger and Black Panther, where you actually like, man, he has a point? Or even when you learn his backstory, do you still think, man, this is a despicable scumbag um, that needs to die? Is he like three D or two dimensional, or is he just evil? Like, tell me about him. Uh, well, with him, I can't say that I ever felt like what he was doing was vindicated or correct in any way. I could kind of see how he got there. Uh, There is a whole thing with his parents and his mother uh, essentially being like a disabled witch, uh, mentally disabled. And then she put a love spell on this human that she wanted to get with and had this baby. And then I can't quite remember if he just came out of the love spell or someone broke it, but he ends up like running away and leaving them because he'd never wanted to even be a part of it. 
And so he grows up in this household that his mother can't really take care of him. And he's with his grandfather who hates muggles, uh, which are the non-magical beings. And he's half of one. So he has this whole trauma going on of being what he hates, kind of that whole Hitler vibe going on. So he has some troubles, but I... I don't know. As far as when he is an adult, he may be more two-dimensional because it does just seem like evil. I want to take over the world and have power, but I feel like his younger days were much more interesting to me. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be super compassionate to his cause, which is basically ethnic cleansing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is not uh, good. But And so I guess, yeah, I agree that he's two-dimensional. But I still found him interesting, uh, and especially in the movies, too. I think they did a great job of making him, like, visually interesting and very creepy and, like, I don't know. I wasn't bored by him. Okay. Okay, so we talked about the villain, and, you know, a villain's only as good as the protagonist, and the protagonist is only good as the antagonist. So what did you think about Harry as the, you know, the the main hero and his characterization. Did you like it or were you more attached to like some of his allies more? Uh, I actually hated Harry growing up. (laughs) Or maybe hates too strong word, but I did not like him that much. And I just felt like all of his problems would have been solved if he just told an adult. Uh, Mm -hmm. But as I got older and I reread them every few years, like experiencing new traumatic things in my life, rereading it as an adult, and I was like, oh, God, Harry's really going through a lot right now. I can see that he's like majorly depressed. I felt these things now. He doesn't trust anyone. So I love Harry now, but I did not grow up liking him. I was much more attached to the other characters like Hermione and Professor Lupin. Those were my my main homies in the world. Yeah, I identified very strongly with Hermione, like most nerdy girls do, especially if you have large hair. I do. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you do. Feel um, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I maybe I haven't reread the books in a while, so maybe I would come at it with a little bit more like compassion. But I was also kind of annoyed by Harry. He. <sighs> I, we spend a lot of time, obviously, the entirety of the books developing his character, but somehow he still feels like a bit of an archetype to me. You know, he's just our hero. Um, so that can get a little bit old. And the things that his, like, struggles with coming of age and stuff are supposed to be hashtag relatable, but they just came across as a little bit false to me at the time and I think they do in the movies kind of too like it just seems weird for him to be battling it's like ultimate powered wizard um and then worrying about like his crush being in class but I guess that's just like an attempt to normalize it and make it feel human but um yeah I don't know some of the stuff he does really bugs me Especially when he and Ron are at odds, but also, I guess, Ron bugs me in that situation, too. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't know. Hermione forever, basically, is the point. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you said. There's just not really anything special about Harry. And Which so is funny, because that's the whole premise, is, like, he's the one. <laughs> well, it's like, oh, he's the one because he had some prophecy and he could have been the one, and that's he's the kid that Voldemort chose to go after. Like, that's the whole premise, and now he's the special boy who saved the world. And it just, yeah, he doesn't really work as a totally interesting person otherwise. Okay, so we are out on Harry. Sorry, Harry. You may be a <laughs> wizard, but we're out on you. So speaking of characters, so would you both say Hermione's your favorite character? There, she's definitely one of them. I don't know if I can pick just one character to be my all-time favorite I kind of go back and forth all the time but I would say top three definitely Hermione uh, Professor Lupin and Dumbledore are my top that's a solid top three thank you thank you (laughs) I felt really attached to Dumbledore for obvious reasons he just it felt like he was my wizardly grandfather (laughs) so um, when he dies in the books, I remember reading it and just bawling my eyes out and bawling and bawling until I had a migraine because it felt like a death of someone that I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so love Dumbledore. I also love Luna. Love good. Um, she's just kind of like ditzy and off in her own world and like very into conspiracy theories. Um, but she is unabashed in that she doesn't, she gets made fun of and teased and, and you can watch the movies and see that like at one point they steal her shoes and she's walking around barefoot just as like a bullying thing, but it doesn't seem to bother her. And she's very resolute in what she believes. And she's very loyal to her friends. Um, and she comes through with these like deep insights <laughs> that will shake you up sometimes. Um, I love to hate Professor Umbridge. Um, yes. She um, kind of comes to power at Hogwarts um, as he who must not be named is coming to power. The uh, administration of the wizarding world is denying that these evil things are happening. And uh, because she's on board with them, she gets to rise to the point of being headmaster. And she's kind of this like, grandmotherly type figure almost she wears like little pink hats and like furry cardigans and has all these ceramic plates with kittens on them but she's like extremely menacing Uh, will use forms of physical torture on the students and wants to control them utterly so she's this like funny combination of like sweet grandma but totally terrifying monster which I enjoy that does sound pretty terrifying actually (laughs) yeah um, so, she's actually like the better villain I, f- I feel like like she is the perfect one to hate everyone hates her but in the way that you're supposed to like she's written very well she's an awful person and just does things because she is looking to get as much power as possible and 
I'd have to say that she is the better of the two. Um, I did want to jump on Luna Lovegood too really quickly because I love her, but I actually only really like her in the movies and not so much in the books. Uh, when I reread them, and it's been a good couple years now since I've read them, Luna's kind of mean in the books. Oh, is she? There are, yeah, there are all these like little snarky comments, especially towards like Hermione. That I was like, oh, I don't remember this. In the movies, she's... Like you said, just this lovely, like, free spirit that's kind of just like, can't we all get along? But she's not quite that way in the books. She embraces her weirdness, but almost in a way that she judges others for not being like she is. And that kind of turned me off, and I didn't really remember that. Wow, Uh, yeah, I didn't remember that either, but I definitely don't like that. And I don't like when female characters are pitted against other female characters for what seem like arbitrary reasons. Yeah, so I'm interested to see if I still feel that way the next time I read it. Maybe I was just reading too much into it at that time, but I I was really taken aback because I didn't remember it at all. Right. Yeah, that um, female character, I guess it's a trope, um, that they're just catty for no reason. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I mean, like I said, I I don't know Harry Potter. What I do know is professional wrestling and professional wrestling. They, uh, when men are feuding over something, there's always some storyline but whenever two women lady wrestlers are feuding just because they're catty with each other it's really played out so mm-hmm. hate to see it across like tv and stuff like you know yeah hate to see it men can be catty <laughs> too i mean i'm very petty i can be catty you know um, <laughs> it's not just women it, if they did it with both sides it'd be okay but it's always oh these girls are crazy always against <laughs> each other <laughs> so um since harry potter you know he's a wizard um, and their spells cast. Do you guys have like a particular spell that is your favorite that you wish you could cast in real life? Or is there like a spell you saw in the book or movies that you thought that was really stupid or that was way too convenient? Or do you have like a favorite spell or least favorite spell? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite spell, um, but I, I took uh, Latin in high school mm-hmm. and, uh, most of the spells are based on Latin. So I was always just kind of like delighted to see like, Oh, I can translate the spell. It was kind of stupid, but, um, <laughs> my favorite spell. Um, I, the one that comes to mind and this makes me think of the movies is when, um, Harry's playing Quidditch and he is knocked off his broom and he breaks his arm and, uh, Oh gosh, professor Lockhart uh, comes up and he's like, oh, oh, step aside, let me let me heal his arm. And he says, Brachiam el mendo. And <laughs> all of the bones come out of his arm. And he has to regrow all of his bones. It's like not what was meant to have happened. That's just the one that comes to mind. <laughs> That's an excellent spell. <laughs> Very useful. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I have a favorite spell either, but The one I think of very standard would be Expecto Patronum because I just want to know what animal encapsulates my being and what would come out of the wand. And I hope that it would be a fox or it would be Libby. So those are the two options. (laughs) So what would you think of? You're supposed to think of something that makes you feel, I guess, uh, safe and powerful in order to cast Oh yeah, like the happy memory. Right. Uh, that's difficult. It would it would be something Libby related. 
<laughs> just on a walk with her or when we adopted her, just staring lovingly into her eyes. She's all I need. It's funny because some of the spells they cast don't require to be spoken. Well, in yeah, in the books, they go into later how uh, spellcasting without speaking is a whole thing that you can do once you are more well-equipped, you've studied more, and you have more power and ability over the magic. Whereas in the movie, they don't cover that at all, and just all of a sudden they're doing spells without saying anything. Sometimes they still do, and it's just all over the place but it's supposed to show a certain mastery of of your level of skill okay so if you could cast one of those in real life what would you cast like a nice spell we don't want to use that a uh, bone breaking one on some politician you don't like because i'm sure both of you could probably find someone <laughs> that'd be pretty well easy. there are also the three which are um related to <laughs> so you'd want to avoid those also okay and um since it's i'm guessing we'll get to fantastic beast also but since it is you know a fantasy world i'm sure there's like mythical beings or creatures that aren't humans do you have like a specific like beast or i don't know giant troll whatever kind of like species you really liked or didn't like when, in the books or movies as Probably there's not like that many. I don't feel like but there's some, but I always liked the centaurs because they're really focused on for a bit. And uh, like Ferenz, he's seen very briefly in Sorcerer's Stone, the first movie, but later on in the books, he actually becomes a teacher for a little bit. And so that was really fun. So it was this whole thing about how centaurs are just supposed to stay with their own herd and not help the humans or intervene in any of that and then he just kind of pieces out on all of them and goes and teaches at Hogwarts so I like that a lot let's see uh, the first thing I thought of was um a griffin yeah. um what's Sarah what was his name uh Buckbeak oh the hippogriff 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 yes um yeah those seem cool they're kind of like a combination of an enormous eagle and a horse um so you can fly them and ride them um but they're still very much like non-sentient animals um and then professor dumbledore has in his office a phoenix named fox who presumably has just lived and died and been reborn endlessly forever um and his their tears have healing powers and um yeah that just seems super cool he comes through and helps harry in the chamber of secrets in a time of need a phoenix named fox is interesting and i i might be jumping to conclusion did they name it fox like guy fox because they set him on fire you know like the guy fox story right i had not <laughs> thought of it but yeah. that could very either. well be it yeah, makes sense. I, yeah. I have no clue. I just remember when, when you know, I have to say this every podcast. I lived in England. Um, they have like Guy Fox Day. And like when I'm a kid, I'm like, what are they doing? They're burning this dummy of this person. But 
interesting tradition. Just don't try to overthrow a ruler, although make a holiday out of you. Uh, so <laughs> those are some of your favorites. Now we're going to get on to the author, J.K. Rowling. Rowling. I don't know how to say it. Um, the wonderful lady that created this book. Um, she's had some missteps in the years. I know when she wrote Harry Potter, I believe like the story was she was homeless or close to being homeless. You know, someone took the chance on her and she's made this wonderful series of books and movies for children to look up to. But um, the books have come under a little fire, maybe for lack of diversity and some other missteps. Uh, what do you guys think of her? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I'm just going to well, sit back and listen. Sure. <laughs> It's difficult because obviously I respect her so much for writing all of these fantastic novels. And I think that she does have a lot of strength as a person with her background. Uh, you're right. about. I think she was technically homeless and she uh, was in an abusive relationship at one point, like in a different country and just had all of these really hard things happen to her. And she still was able to get through that and make this tremendous life for herself. Uh, so I almost have to split her into two parts. There's like the JK before and the JK after, because I think the JK after is where I start having more problems with her. Um, although in the beginning, there's definitely that lack of diversity within the stories is a huge problem. And that could have just made it so much better than what it already is. But the JK after, uh, she's, she's done some questionable things. I'm really not a fan of her supporting Johnny Depp, which, you know, he allegedly was involved in some domestic abuse with his now ex-wife. And I know you can go either way on that, but I just don't like it. I saw one video where he was, like, throwing stuff around her. And I kind of just immediately jumped on. I was like, I'm on your side. And I don't support him anymore. And every time I see his scrawny little face, I get really angry. And he's not even a good actor anymore. Yep. So, so the fact that they casted him and then kept him in for like the second movie and the movies beyond, like he had such a small role in the first one, it would have been just completely totally easy. Totally cast him. Yeah, like most people probably wouldn't even notice and he looks did she make awful. a statement in support of him yes or okay, yes yeah. she did so she, she took a strong stance on it too yeah that was that was super problematic for me yeah she's gone back and really tried to relitigate in this sort of sloppy way mm -hmm. that has created a lot of great memes and receipts <laughs> Of her being like, oh, yeah, I know I didn't mention this in the book at all, but that character, I know I didn't mention it in the book at all, but he was actually gay or she was actually black or whatever. It's like, okay, just acknowledge that you could have included a little bit more diversity in your characters. Right. I was just reading an article on that problem before we started this, and there's that whole exact thing of just being like, oh, hey, this character is actually Jewish and blah, 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 blah. And then one of the big issues is, like, Dumbledore being like, hey, he is gay, he was in love with Grindelwald, and then you have them being, like, the center of this Fantastic Beast story, and they decided to not go within the movie of him being explicitly 
gay and that they were in love with each other. One was in love with the other at all. They just kind of do that hint of where uh, he gets a, a glisten in his eye. He sees him in the mirror of Erised, but nothing is ever said distinctly to mm-hmm. show that this is a normalized okay thing. And that right. pisses me off. One thing that she did in recent, this has actually been a couple of years, I guess, and, um, that I did enjoy was she tweeted something sort of um, as a clap back to Mike Pence in 2017. And uh, the internet the conservative internet did not enjoy it. Um, So she got, somebody tweeted at her, at J.K. Rowling, glad I caught this article on Yahoo about her clapback. I will now burn your books and movies too. And then she retweeted and tweeted back to it and said, well, the fumes from the DVDs might be toxic and I still got your money. So by all means, borrow my lighter. I just found that like very amusing. And I liked that. But that again, that was, that was before all of this relitigating stuff has kind of soured me to her a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, not everyone's black and white. You know, there's gray areas, people have good and bad, but it uh, doesn't sound like she's doing too well in the recent years with some of the stuff she said. Um, no, I think she's wanting to defend her work and defend herself, mm-hmm. which I totally understand. And maybe also in a clumsy effort, trying to make it right. But mm-hmm. uh, it might be better if she just acknowledged that it, it wasn't yeah. as diverse as it should have been. Yeah, just admit that, and then you can be like, oh, I'm going to work to fix it in the future or whatever. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we spoke about, um, unfortunately, Johnny Depp, but he was in Fantastic Beast. Um, that is before the events of the main Harry Potter books, if I'm correct, correct? Yes. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what what did you guys are, are those books also the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, or are they just movies? So, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is actually one of the textbooks at Hogwarts that's written by Newt Scamander, who is the main character in these Fantastic Beasts movies. So, she essentially just took this character from the past who doesn't exist within the narrative of the regular Harry Potter books and movies and centered the story around him and I do not like them at all. <laughs> she did something similar. Um there's a book within mentioned within the Harry Potter books, a meta book. It's called Tales of Beetle the Bard. And um it's supposed to be uh kind of like Mother Goose ish type stuff, if I'm correct, right, Sarah? Yes. Yeah, just like folk tales, fairy tales. And she did write um, a book that was called Tales of Beetle the Bard that's supposed to be that book. That I'm okay with, though, because that's just, like, little separate stories that can literally be whatever. But with this Fantastic Beast, it's uh-huh. something that should be tying into the eventual buildup of the Harry Potter stories. And there are things that don't match. There are things that just aggravate me. Uh, like, why Why would you call non-magical beings humans in America nomadges instead of muggles? Why wouldn't that term mm. just drift over when they colonized America? Like, nomadge is so stupid, and I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> so, I, I mean, we went and saw the, the first movie together, mm-hmm. and we kind of did a post-mortem afterward, and the consensus was that nobody really enjoyed it. 
But I feel like it's kind of a money grab, right? Like they just saw a market of people who were like us, very nostalgic and love Harry Potter and knew that we would go see these movies. Absolutely. And I think what really hurts me is that she's the one writing the scripts. So Mm. I have these expectations and I'm like, well, she's done this before. This is her world. Like she can do this. And then it came out and like, oh, no, she can't. Or Mm. maybe she needs to spend more time on this or there's just so much. And uh, another problematic thing that kind of ties in with this is the whole like American magic school is Ilvermorny and it's very tied into Native American folklore. And apparently there is this big backlash in the Native American community uh, about how she was just taking their stories and not giving them any credit and she should have just not done that in the first place and she didn't even acknowledge it so when she (laughs) does try to diversify it goes badly (laughs) well it was she was just like straight up taking it and then kind of acting like she made it up on her own i don't know i might be reading into that It, it it seemed problematic though so, Sarah, let me ask you, are you familiar with the whole Harry Potter and the Cursed Child thing? Oh, I sure am. Can you, I'm not super familiar, but I know it's like she has endorsed it and giving it, given it her seal, right? Yes. So she did not write this screenplay. Um, at least she's got that going for her, because this is one of the worst things I've ever read, even outside of Harry Potter just in oh, everything no. that I've read. It is a bad fan fiction. They're literally like, okay, well, this is Harry Potter's son in the future when he's going to Hogwarts, and he doesn't want to be like his dad because it turns out that his dad kind of turned into a not great parent. Like, oh, at one shoot. point... At one point, Harry literally, like, is talking to his son and is like, I wish I never had you. Oh, my well, you guys, You guys were out on Harry Potter earlier, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Oh, God. But, yeah, it's just this horrible story of this kid who doesn't want to be like his dad, and then he befriends his dad's old high school rival who also doesn't want to be like his dad. Um, but, oh, and also they, they end up in Slytherin, so he's not in Gryffindor like he should be. And they go on this adventure to just be obnoxious teenagers. And uh, the ending is really something awful. And I will spoil it if you don't mind. If you do, I will keep my mouth shut, but spoil it's really bad. It. Okay, it. great. All right, you said spoilers. I can say Fantastic. So the whole premise is there's like this woman they keep running into every once in a while and and she's acting like she's helping them. But it's very clear that she is the villain. And then in the end, they go back in time and it turns out that she is Voldemort's daughter. And she is going back in time to help her dad not die so then they can rule together what is this (laughs) it's awful it's so bad that's so much worse than i imagined it would be (laughs) yes and they just oh they just tear apart 
all of the characters. I don't think there's anyone who really makes it out alive. Like they turn Ron into like, Oh, they make him a little bit, but at (laughs) least he had that humor going for him. He is just this rude, dumb, like ignorant person. Who's just trying to make poor Hermione's life harder than it needs to be. But then she's not there for her family because she's working. But also that would probably happen because she's a badass. Maybe Hermione's the only one who got out alive in this. I can't really remember bad stuff about her. But everyone else is awful. <laughs> so speak to kind of derail it a little bit. But speaking of the whole Ron and Hermione thing, can we discuss the epilogue? Oh, of course. I would love to hear your takes on it. <laughs> I named you after the bravest men I know, Albus Severus. Oh, it just rolls <laughs> off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah it's, yeah, it's just another part that I kind of read it and was like, what's happening here? But I, Do you think that is the moment when J.K. Rowling lost her mojo? Yes, absolutely. Because, <laughs> yeah, that was something that I just kind of had to, like, dissociate from the rest of the Let's series and like pretend this didn't happen <laughs> that's what i do everything after their like graduation where they didn't actually graduate because the castle was in ruins uh is not true it, mm-hmm. i have a completely different timeline of events that happens Albus Severus doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, Scorpius doesn't exist. Scorpio Scorpius, i don't know. Just I don't like when this happens where they're just like, here's the main characters that you love, and now here's their kids who are just like them, and oh, hey, this was 19 years ago, but everyone's still together because that's natural, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, people don't have any changes once they graduate from school. This is the end of your life until you have children. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so do you accept the pairings as we them Uh, I it's complicated I accept them because that is what the story has set forth but I will agree with JK Rowling herself when she said you know I did this wrong if I think about it Harry and Hermione should have ended up together and I do agree with that because I felt like they were (laughs) they were the ones with chemistry they had things in common I never really understood Ron and Hermione. Like, I was for it because that's what was presented to me. And I was really happy with anything that was happening within that world at the Mm -hmm. time. But as an adult, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, you're right. They don't seem to have a ton in common. It does. I think Harry is the only thing they have in common. Right, yeah. I will say as a as a neutral or non fan that when I think of Harry Potter, I would just think of you know Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson, their characters being together. You know Harry and Hermione. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I think the first time someone told me like a friend's like, oh yeah, she's with Ron Weasley. I'm like, who's Ron? Yeah, <laughs> I, always, I guess I always envisioned him as like the third wheel to like you know, in a lot of films or TV shows, there's a couple, then there's like their single friend that tags along which you know that's my role in real life um so i thought i could you know feel ron but i guess harry does he have his own like love interest in it or is it like not explicitly explicit he he gets with ron's sister 
Oh, that's so it's it's all in the family. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Ron is such um, a forgettable character. He's. I don't think that he's anyone's favorite Weasley even. I would argue though that like Jenny is even more forgettable. Okay. Here's another thing with the the books versus the movies. I do not like Jenny at all in the movies. I think Bonnie Wright, the actress that plays her, is lovely. I have not seen her in anything else, so I don't know if it's just her acting ability, but maybe the acting versus she wasn't provided a lot of direction and material. Mm. She's very bland. Yeah, it's and a very non-charismatic character. Yeah, there it's, is absolutely no chemistry between her and Daniel Radcliffe. Right. Based on what you see on screen in the movies, there is really no reason that they should end up together. Yes, I agree. Now, in the books... She is actually pretty on par. She may be my number four favorite character. She is just this very strong, independent woman. And she has all of this character. And she's sassy. And she's commanding. Like, she takes over Quidditch. And she's just this very interesting woman. And I wish that would have translated to the screen. So maybe maybe that's my one complaint with the movies, is that they did Jenny an injustice. Well, the favorite Weasleys have got to be the twins, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. My sister, I think so those fun. are her favorite characters. They're so fun, but they pack a lot of heart, too. They do. And Oh, God. That was actually the hardest death for me, was when, spoiler, when Fred passed. Because I was reading, and then it just happened so quickly. And just the thought of one twin having been left behind and, like, missing this whole person that he was with all the time and did everything with just hurt me so deeply, and I couldn't take it. I feel like there's some mention of the... uh, What is his name? George. George. Like, yes. looking in the mirror and seeing Fred. Yes. I don't I don't know if she said that or someone came up with that. Yeah. Um, oh, like the God, something, something along the same lines, though, that makes me even more sad. And I think this was from her. I think I read this on Pottermore. Was the girl that Fred was with or interested in, was it Angela or something? Mm-hmm. There's yeah some very small character that they were supposedly together. Uh, once he died, George and her started bonding, and then they ended up married. And I was like, oh, you uh, end up with your dead twin's ex-girlfriend. Like, that does not ee- seem healthy. No. Wow. I know that I saw some, I watched <laughs> yeah. some behind-the-scenes footage of uh, the movies them filming those parts of the movies and the actors who were actually twins had a very hard time with those. Oh, scenes. I remember that. Yeah. I saw that too. Cause he was like, I just imagine him actually dying. Yeah. Um, oh God, that's hard. Very it sounds sad. like that. Um, it sounds like the character, you know, the twin losing a twin. That sounds like pretty interesting. Like Sarah, if you mentioned they had like an animated show, that'd be something to explore. I would think just stuff from the outside looking in. I don't know if, that Weasley has anything else interesting about him, but that whole narrative is kind of cool. Like in comic books, Batwoman, um, 
that's her one of her back listen to our Arrowverse podcast coming out later um but that's her thing like when she was little um she's a hostage her and her mom and her twin sister her dad can only get her out she watches her twin die of course you know in comic books they come back later as a villain but uh, that's <laughs> that's kind of interesting but you guys talked about maybe um harry and hermione should have ended up together um like something you would have changed are there any other relationships you would have changed or added or anything else in the book books you would have added like a different ending or maybe another character to explore a little bit more or change a backstory what would you change if you could probably just the whole diversity thing is the only thing I can think of. Like, I would love some openly gay characters more than just your standard white straight people. There's so, so much of that. I would like a different viewpoint, but otherwise I don't know if I would change much. Yeah. Like I said, don't worry. Disney will buy it. And then in like 20 or 30 years, they'll remake it. So you'll oh, probably you like change. five years. It's, it's well, been a minute. That's good. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Um, I would watch a movie f- focusing on Neville Longbottom's glow up situation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> He's one of those that you don't exactly love to hate him, but you love to be like, oh, what a doofus. Um, yeah. But then he really comes through and like comes into his own and the actor has a major glow up where he <laughs> becomes super hot. Um, I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I would also watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see more detail of what Hermione goes on to do with her life. I just get nervous when they go too much into the future with the same characters. That's totally reasonable it... based on what seen. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just the whole thing where you get to imagine yourself and kind of write your own story and you can be happy with it because if there's something you decide you don't like, then you just change it. But once they're like, this is what happens and like, Oh, Hey, you know, Ron Weasley, he wasn't bad. He wasn't great, but now he sucks. Deal yeah. with it. Cause this is what happened. <laughs> that's true. That that's scares true. Me. I, I guess that's part of the fun of it. Just like you, we all have this, kind of folklore around it like we grew up with it so the experiences are like when you started reading it and when you took a quiz to figure out you know what character you were when the books came out so like we have these personal associations with it as well as knowing the narrative of the story and it's kind of nice to have some of that be in our own hands to to fill in the blanks okay so speaking of fan fiction uh, those of you should have been all of y'all listening right now who listens to the romance novel podcast recreated our own book. It was called creating chemistry with uh, Meg, Liz and Morgan, but we are going to create our own Harry Potter book. Now are you guys ready? Ready. Yeah. <laughs> um, you'll I'll probably have to still continue to lean on y'all more. So um, <laughs> we'll go, well, we can all work together. There's only two of you guys who are really going to be contributing. So we don't have to go in the format. Um, but first thing first, first things first, um, let's pick a setting. Do you want to use like the, probably not because you guys hated it, but the fantastic <laughs> beast setting, like back in the day, do you want to use like the setting of when the main books took place? Or do you want to have yours be like the future? It doesn't have to have Harry Potter in it. We can get to making our own little characters, but what do you think the setting should be? And then we can go from there. 
Hmm. I'd be interested in contemporary stories, but also it would be cool to have more detail on the American wizards and witches, but in a way that was not terrible. (laughs) The America school. Sarah, what do you think? Yeah, I'm down for that. I, I would love to see somewhere outside of the UK. That would be fun. Okay, what's the name of the American school? Does it have a name? Ilvermorny. Yeah, I'm going to type that. <laughs> I can remember how to say Ilvermorny. I feel like yes. it sounds like an Ivy League in a way that I don't like. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's, the, right. it's the Harvard of the Wizarding World. <laughs> <Right. laughs> Meg, did you ever take the, the quiz to see which Ilvermorny house you would be in? No, I didn't. I am a Pugwudgie, I believe is what so it's called. What are, what are the houses in Ilvermorny? Let's see if I remember. Okay, so there was Pugwudgie, and it's like they're different but similar to Hogwarts. So that one's supposed to be like the Hufflepuff house. Figures. Um, Give them the closest name. <laughs> there's the, what was it, like the Great Horned Serpent? And that one is Ravenclaw. Um, There is the Thunderbirds, which I believe is Gryffindor. And then I think there's some kind of cat that I don't remember. Let me see if I can find this. Yeah, it's kind of a bit on the nose. It's like, oh, they're the American schools, but they're exactly like the Right. I would like some some different choices here. I don't want to just translate it over. I don't know, you guys. There's some kind of cat. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> our thing is contemporary. It's at Elvermorny um, in America. The Like I said, the Harvard of the Wizarding World, if y'all didn't know. Maybe it's a Princeton. Um, so, <laughs> let's create some characters. I guess, do you want to stick with the three characters like Harry Potter? You just want to come up with two two main ones and then we can sort of fill in if we actually ever do this we can fill in the gaps of the supporting characters but how about uh meg you create one and sarah you create one and then we can work on their relationship from there okay that sounds good Uh, what if it now tell me if this is like not appropriate but Uh what if it sort of takes place on a modern day reservation okay Ooh. um and so we're assuming then that the folklore draws on, like on one particular tribe's stories, and we could kind of like use that. Um, I think that would be great. And I think the way to make it not problematic is if the characters are Native American. Right. Right. So yeah. I think that would be great. Okay. So also, it's not. Uh, fun fact: the cat is a wampus. Oh, yeah, yeah, good old Wampus. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I guess something that I've been curious about, and Sarah, uh, having read the books more often, you could maybe fill me in on this, but like the ways that magical people interact with non-magical people on a regular basis. You know that it's like the whole part of the ministry, muggle studies or whatnot, but then some witches and wizards just, like, live naturally among muggles or nomadges. Yeah, there's a lot of loopholes in that. Yeah. 
because the as far as some of them just outwardly walking around, like we would know. There, there's no way for them to completely hide. Uh, but yeah, there is the the whole department. So it it just depends, I guess, on on which which your wizard you're you're talking to on how they interact. But you're not supposed to tell muggles that you're a witcher wizard like if you interact with them you're supposed to keep it secret Hmm. Mm -hmm. which i guess that dissolves when you get married i don't know yeah you know yeah there's there's plenty of uh uh half-bloods as they call them what a nice uh, term isn't it (laughs) Uh, yeah i don't know what do you think the conflict should be? Ooh. Um, there is this, I don't think you would call it a cryptid, but there's this great mythology within the Native American communities about these witches, not really witches, but there are these things called skinwalkers. Hmm. And they are essentially like evil beings that take on an animal's form but not completely so they still kind of look like a human and they're just super super creepy so I would love for those to be involved somehow Um, usually it it seems to be like territorial like if you're on their land Mm -hmm. Um, maybe something with that oh yeah I dig it Okay, so, so far we have that we are not going to be at Elvermorny, the hey. Harvard of the Wizarding World. We're going to be <laughs> on a modern-day reservation, and uh, whatever character, I don't think we flesh out our characters all the way, but they're going to be dealing with those uh, evil beings in their animal form, but we might think that the beings are purely evil and stuff, but they're just trying to protect their territory. That might go into the whole, that might have a deeper meaning, whether y'all meant it or not, with like, uh, manifest destiny, you know, all the colonizers going west and taking people's land. I don't know if you guys meant it to be that, mm-hmm. you know, double meaning or whatnot, but it could be. Um, so who will be our, I guess the characters will be teenagers, kids, adults, like our main duo. Yeah, I, I like the idea of them being teenagers. Okay. Same. I think that's just a really good age where everything is awful <laughs> there are so many changes that it's a it's a good time to put all these different plot points to make people discover who they really are because that's what they're going through anyways so I also yeah. vote teenagers yeah it's kind of like a liminal space where they can still have these characteristics of being kids um but are discovering who they are as adults and like right. Harry Potter sort of address like issues that any teenager would encounter compounded by issues of this great responsibility of being somebody with magical powers right all right have and a the additional responsibility of being native american all right and hormonal right. Yeah. yeah of course all right have meg uh pick one of the kids like describe pick like a name for them let's make them real and then sarah you pick one of them like gender what they like are they emo are they sporty nerdy oh, okay yeah okay i oh I, I hate picking names and i feel like it needs to be something that's like 
culturally representative. I mean, you can name <laughs> yeah, someone. Yeah, a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> you can name someone Jonathan. I mean, come on. <laughs> what, what if we just do, like, character types? Okay, that works. Is that possible? Uh, or you can pick a name. I just don't want to be responsible for Here, picking a I will pick one. I'm going to go with Connie. There, I'm naming her after she is a Canadian broadcaster who is Native American, and uh, she does this really great series podcast called Missing and Murdered. If anyone is interested, it's really good. Uh, so, Connie. Connie, okay. What's Connie uh, into? What she like to do? What's her personality? Oh, Connie loves animals. She's okay. just helping with the ranch and the, uh, the animals. Is she, uh, is Connie, uh, is Connie headstrong? Is she naive, hopeful, um, intro, uh, introverted, extroverted? Okay. I'm going to go with, uh, an introverted, gentle, naive, shy personality. So she's okay. going to have to like break out of her bubble in the story. So someone that feels more comfortable around animals than humans. Is yes. That- Okay, got you. All right, Meg, yeah, we have Connie. I think, I think we should have a guy character who is more outgoing, maybe has some, like, um, issues with dealing with anger, maybe. Uh, okay. Um, wanting to be a good guy, but finding it kind of hard. Relatable. Um, so is, he, is he impulsive then also probably or no maybe maybe he has some familial troubles also um, okay that that's a uh, reason for his anger issues <laughs> um okay. i can see him like resenting some of the situations that he's put into by virtue of his family being troubled and also by virtue of like living on this reservation and feeling limited in some ways mm-hmm. or judged um, I feel like we could root for him. Okay. All right. We just need a name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Somebody else pick. I don't want to. I don't know, but I feel like this could also be a romance novel. Oh. We already came up with the outline I for know. one great romance novel. Hey, a magical romance novel. <laughs> I dig it. Those exist. Morgan could recommend them. Oh, Fantastic. Kind of her, her thing. Oh, so I typed in Native American names, so it's actually <laughs> broken down by tribe. Oh. Uh, I think, let's see. I'm part Cherokee. I'll look at that. Da, da, da. <sighs> this is going to take a while. We can come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Unnamed male one. Yeah. And Connie. So thank you. We got Connie. Yes. Okay. Um, so, you know, we have shy Connie who loves her animals. She has like a really special relationship with them. And then we have boy uh, also lives on the reservation who he means well, but he's really doesn't know how to hang handle all the issues in his family and feels tied down on the reservation. He just wants to break out and venture. And they come across these uh, evil beings that take the form of animals that um, seem to have been threatening the area around, and they have to use their magical powers to stop them. But do they know they're magical, or other parents also have magic? Are they half half wizards, real wizards? 
Were they not accepted into Elvermorny? <laughs> <laughs> I think I want them to be magical. Magical, okay. I want them to know. Okay, they yeah. know. They would Maybe know. I feel like there's got to be like folklore or traditions that have been passed down to let yeah. them know and maybe know what to do with it or maybe there's like somebody else in their tribe that they can go to to okay. help them i kind of would like it to be a trio again okay i well, would too maybe right. it can be like a queer character in some way Ooh. okay i f- i feel like maybe they should be how the two other characters meet each other like maybe this person can be the cousin of the guy that maybe helps out at I'm I'm just saying Connie's working at a ranch now maybe he helps out at the ranch and this is his cousin or her cousin Mm -hmm. so there's some kind of connection between the two Okay, so this third character, so they like even, like even, like friendly, um, patient. Pro- they probably have to be patient if they're going to bridge the gap um, between two different people like that. What would what would you say the cousin is? Yeah, maybe more like um, maybe like lighthearted and humorous or something. Yeah, keeping things. Yeah, I think I like the idea of them keeping things on an even keel, or like being the foil that sort of brings them back down to earth a little bit or um, a little bit maybe a little bit more practical i do think this character should have a romance storyline though also (laughs) yes absolutely um so are they openly queer or is that something that would come in like the romance they fall for someone or something openly but it it doesn't mean it wouldn't be a source of conflict yeah it probably would be (laughs) yeah Uh, Okay. I don't know if I'm like thinking of them being gender queer or like queer in terms of their sexuality. I don't have a good picture mm-hmm. of that yet. So, what is the mission of these skinwalkers? I don't know. I guess just protecting their territory, but I guess there should be something what? larger than that as well. What if? The skinwalkers are terrorizing parts of the reservation, and we think that they're the enemy because they're like Ooh. harming like people's livelihoods in some way. But it turns out that they're doing so in an effort to like protect what they think it means to be Native American or what or the actual territory from like development or uh, playing off that development idea not to draw too much from real life but you know the whole thing with like the pipeline yeah. the sacred mm-hmm. lands and stuff maybe like uh, maybe some I don't want to call every like non Native American colonizer maybe people that don't live on the reservation or you know in, in, mm-hmm. intruding to you know develop or expand and maybe someone dies or gets maimed or something by these people, and yeah. they want to blame the good mm-hmm. people on the reservation. Um, and they're going to use these attacks as a way to, you know, further further expand. Ooh. So it's I like, like that. but they have to get to the bottom of it. And when they get to the kids, get to the bottom of it, they realize they, they're not being jerks or just trying to protect their land or something like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Bye. Not to intrude on your story. I just like I don't know. Just no, thinking I'm into of the whole, it. Uh, thinking of the whole pipeline. Yeah. 
protecting territory from expansion. So should there actually be another villain? It's like the person that like is, is trying to expand onto the the native lands or build this new hotel or something. Yeah, maybe we've maybe it's like a company or or something and maybe we've or the kids have met the character that leads it in some way and think mm-hmm. of this character as a friend. Mm-hmm. Only to discover that their intents are maybe not as benign. Yeah, I kind of want there to be like a traitor within the reservation as well. Ooh. That you mm-hmm. you think that he's on their side or she's on their side. And then it turns out that she's actually doing everything to like, get the pipeline to be going. Mm-hmm. Oh, so maybe the trader knows about the uh, the skinwalkers and has done this on purpose, like set up, sacrificed a few lives to get their political agenda. They're like the the puppet master behind all this the whole time while yeah. playing both sides, like trying to act like they're a intermediary between the expansion and the reservationist. And, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, I think we can do that. All right. So the conclusion of the book, do they just um, find a way to expose this big bad, this, or not really a big baddie, more like a master manipulator, whoever he or she is, or what do you think the ending should be? Or should have a cliffhanger? Oh, we're going to need at least seven books. Okay. (laughs) So I'm guessing since this is still set in like Harry Potter lore, the manipulator is also a powerful wizard, I'm guessing. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they actually, maybe there's kind of sadity. Maybe they went to Elvermorny and they like know, like, I have a real education. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> like, you all are, y'all ain't even real wizards. Y'all just learned on the mm-hmm. reservation. I went away. I know the, I don't know, whatever spells you guys mentioned earlier to break someone's arm or the bones out. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else we should add to the book? Like you guys have read the, you guys have read more books than me in general, but <laughs> I hate reading. Uh, I don't really know how to conclude it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have to say I'm I'm not quite sure either. So maybe to be continued. Maybe okay. it's sort of like they they have a small victory. Okay. And maybe that is like making allies with these skinwalkers and okay. like temporarily staying the uh the pipeline or whatever encroaching but understanding that it's going to be like an ongoing larger battle okay all to right. be developed in following books all right we can do that find out all right um all right so here's our book well we need a title too so <laughs> <sighs> we didn't even name our characters <laughs> <laughs> No, this is still the brainstorming, brainstorming, you know. Hmm. I don't know. We didn't even pick a appropriate tribe. <laughs> it's gonna be impossible. Okay. Well, what what area uh, of the country is it? We can you can actually probably figure out the tribe. Uh, I'm picturing like Arizona or something. Arizona. Okay. You guys keep talking. I'll look up what tribes were. Native we could to do Arizona. the. I don't know if they're in Arizona, but we could do the Lakota tribe. L A K O T A. 
don't hear about them often. Um, let's see, Arizona, the big ones are like Navajo, Apache. Um, some of these I cannot pronounce. Mojave. Um, okay. But yeah, which it one? Does, it does look like the Skinwalker legend is from Navajo culture, so that would make Ooh. sense. Yeah, okay. let's do that. Okay, Navajo. Alrighty, so we can come up with a name later, but this is our book. Uh, so in 2019, Connie, um, a girl who loves animals, she's introverted and shy, but she feels more comfortable around fairy friends than humans. A boy who has not been named, who is uh, a <laughs> who wants to, he's outgoing and wants to get out, but he's uh, feels like he's held down and cramped down by the issues in his family and living on a reservation. And then the boy's cousin, uh, openly queer, lighthearted, even uh, friend who's friends with both of them, they have to stop the impending expansion of the big city onto the reservation. Um, which is spearheaded by a number of attacks by the mythical skinwalkers, um, evil beings who can take these animalistic forms. Um, It seems that these skinwalkers have killed a number of uh, construction workers, um, which will only spearhead the legislation to get the new buildings built. But it turns out (laughs) that uh, one of the people from the tribe, um, real dastardly, they have been pulling the strings all along, playing both sides to get the expansion done. In a final battle, the three kids learn to uh, find out that the skinwalkers are not evil. They're just protecting their territory, and they mean as much well-being for the uh, reservation as everybody else. And at the end, they stop them, but that's not the end, as the evil expander, colonizer, half-Native American will come back for more in the next seven books, as Max said. (laughs) Beautiful. So, yeah, if y'all are listening to this... um, Leave a comment with uh, name suggestions or book <laughs> suggestions. Uh, it, the last one was easy. Creating chemistry was corny and worked perfectly. Mm, but solid. <laughs> <laughs> this this one not so easy. But that that is our book, and uh, we can go ahead and send that to OJK. Um, mm-hmm. We got our diverse got our diversity covered. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so. Uh, in closing, anything else you want to say about Harry Potter? Like, if you guys ever been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, do you own wands or um, other memorabilia that you're really proud of? Do you have, a, like, a Wizarding cloak? Uh, well, I do not have a cloak, but I have been to the Wizarding, Wizarding World twice. I will go again. I've got scarves. i got a tie. I have... I've got wands. I've got way too much stuff, and I regret nothing. <laughs> I dressed up as Luna Lovegood for Halloween last year. I stole a costume that Ben had already had. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's basically the extent of it. I don't have much paraphernalia. Oh, you got to step your game up. <laughs> I know it. I'd love to go to the Wizarding World. I think it sounds really cool, especially the um, like Diagon Alley area. It's so beautiful. So going forward, do you th- are there are there any plans for any more movies or um, books or anything going forward? Do you guys know? I mean, there's going to be three more movies in the Fantastic Beast series. You sound so excited. I just can't wait wait for this quality content. Um, 
Yeah, I am not looking forward to it, but I definitely will watch it. I'll any Harry Potter stuff that comes out, I'm gonna consume it, unless it just keeps being real bad for like 20 years, then I might stop. But <laughs> I think that's all as of right now. But I'm sure they'll just keep this train going for as long as they can. As long as the money's there. Yes. <laughs> 